Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Set your mind free with a free plan from Fidelity. Start by organizing your plan around what matters most to you. As you go, you'll be able to see your full financial picture, which covers spending, saving, debt, and goals in one simple view. Get started by visiting fidelity.com slash free plan. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSC SIPC. Welcome to Healing with Dr. George, The Power of Chicano Latinx Art. This is a podcast that explores the themes of self and community healing, whether as an artist, curator, collector, or admirer. I am your host, Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a Chicano clinical psychologist with a passion for promoting and preserving Chicano Latinx art. I am working in conjunction with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, an online marketplace that showcases and promotes the work of Chicano Latinx artists throughout the United States. Our guests for the podcast will include celebrated artists, collectors, curators, and influencers who will share their experiences and perspectives on Chicano Latinx art as we explore the themes of self and community healing through Chicano Latinx art. Let us welcome our guest, Armando Duron, a prominent collector of Los Angeles-based Chicano Latinx artists. Mr. Duron has been a collector since the 1980s and is a well-known and respected figure in the field of Chicano Latinx art. Armando has a Bachelor of Arts degree from Loyola Marymount University and a law degree from UCLA. He and his wife Mary have been collecting Chicano art of Los Angeles since 1981. They have one of the most extensive collections in the country. Armando is a sought-out expert in the field. He is constantly consulted by scholars and community activists about every aspect of Chicano art. He has been active in the area not only as a collector, but as a supporter and attorney for clients and a member of the board of various arts organizations, including the Social and Public Arts Resource Center, also known as SPARC, the Latino Theater Company, Self-Help Graphics and Art, and the Vincent Price Art Museum in Los Angeles. Spark named its gallery the Duron Gallery as a tribute for his contributions. Armando has also organized a dozen art exhibitions, including Other Footprints to Atzlan, a short essay on Chicano photography, and Time Refocus, the photographs of Luis Garza. Armando has written extensively on the topic, participated on a variety of panels at the Latino Art Now conferences, and also taught a class at UCLA, Chicano Art and Artists. He is currently organizing another exhibition on the photographic works of Luis Garza for the Riverside Art Museum. And I must say, he is a mentor to all collectors of Chicano Latino art and one of my consultants and uh, what I call him is the godfather of Chicano art. Welcome, Armando. How are you doing today? 
I'm fine. I'm, I'm lo- looking forward to speaking with you this morning uh, or this afternoon. I don't know when this is going to be actually broadcast, but I'm looking forward to this talk. Fantastic. Well, let's jump in. Uh, why don't you tell us about your origins, where you're from, born, etc. Just like some beginning historical information on you since we seem to know very, we know where you are now, but we don't know what your journey has been and where you, where you started. Well, uh, very briefly, I was born in El Paso, Texas, but uh, lived in Ciudad Juarez uh, for the first eight years of my life. Then my mother uh, brought her four children, left uh, my father, and we came to Los Angeles and uh, with uh, three shopping bags, four kids, and a mother who, you know, wanted a future for them. Amazing. Uh, can you tell us what is your first art-related memory that you can say, hey, something just struck you, uh, particularly as it came to Chicano Latino art? Well, as it came to Chicano art, I was uh, at Loyola as an activist, uh, a member of Metra, etc. Um, you know, Chicano art was kind of part of the movement. And that's one of the important things to understand that Chicano art is part of, and was part of the movement and is part of the movement even today. Um, so my first real recollection was thinking about when I was president of Mecha at Loyola uh, that we needed, I wanted to commission something uh, for uh, the Cinco de Mayo celebration because we had Cesar Chavez coming as our, as our guest on that day. And uh, so I commissioned a little, a little serigraph by an artist uh, uh, there on campus, a Chicano artist, friend of mine. And I, uh, what I asked for was uh, hearts coming out of the cactus. And this was in 1975. And so I actually commissioned the piece. And it was the cover for the program, for the Cinco Mayo program uh, that year. Uh, amazing. And I actually attended one of the art exhibits that you organized at Loyola Marymount in 1981 when I was a student there, and that was my first introduction to Chicano art. And I only kicked myself because I should have been buying all these pieces because I didn't know enough about collecting, right? And so I just kind of went to see the art, but it really piqued my interest, particularly because I met Barbara Carrasco. And she Mm -hmm. was just a young uh, intern. She had just graduated from UCLA, had these beautiful, prolific drawings. And uh, like I kicked myself for not buying any of those. Um, what was the first piece of Chicano art that you purchased? Do you remember? The well, the first thing, the first piece that we actually purchased was a Siqueiros lithograph. That's that was our first introduction to just the realm of collecting, uh, and, um, uh, and so that was the first piece. The second piece was a Tamayo uh, mitografía, and then Mexican art just took off at that point in time. This is the early eighties. And it just became impossible. And then that's when we really turned our our, our uh, view towards buying Chicano art and, and thinking, well, why are we buying Mexican art? Why are, not, why are we not buying Chicano art? Uh, and so this is the very early 80s, 81, 82. One of the first pieces we bought was, in fact, Barbara Carrasco's Frida y Yo, a very uh, now uh, famous drawing. It's been published, I don't know how many times uh, uh, since then. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, it, it was just in a show in Sacramento and before that here in L.A. Uh, and that was a, a very important early piece that we bought. Uh, can you tell us about the current status of your art collection? 
Uh, well, I'm not sure what you mean by status. I can tell you that it's large, uh, that we continue to collect, uh, that, that we're in the process of, of buying you know, a, a piece now, which I think is a very important piece uh, of art. And that is uh, an espejo, a, a mirror by Linda Vallejo. And the important piece, part of that, about that is, is a very conceptual piece of art because it is a mirror that has been tinted with brown so that everybody that looks into it is going to see themselves as Mexican. That's the intent. Uh, so uh, whether you're Mexican or not, you're going to look in that mirror and you're going to be brown. Uh, and I think that is a profound statement on behalf of Linda uh, Vallejo. We have been collecting her work for... Um, 40 some years, 40 years, really. But we have actually a piece that goes back to 1975 uh, when she was still a student. So um, we, we are collected her work throughout her entire careers. We have other artists. Uh, and so this is, a, a, I think, a, a, an extremely important piece in, in, in the development of her art. It's part of her uh, Make Them All Mexican or Make Them All Brown series. Yes, this is part of the Make Them All Mexican series uh, it, that is just, I think, still showing at uh, the uh, Bermudas Projects here in Los Angeles, uh, which is where I saw the, the, the mirrors part of a, of a tableau, a life-size um, um, tableau of uh, everything was painted brown. Uh, but in the, in the middle there was this mirror and you look in the mirror you saw yourself as brown. Uh, and I thought that was uh, um, extremely intriguing and provocative and important statement. Most certainly, most certainly that, and that uh, series has had a, a great impact, I think, uh, on the status of art. And it's got a lot of recognition. It's shot in New York, I think, as well. And uh, it just yes. has a lot of legs. It keeps traveling is what it looks like, yeah. Yes, and developing. She keeps developing new ideas, and this is just the latest of that. Most certainly. Uh, can you tell us about one or two of your favorite pieces and why they speak to you? You know, that's a question that I'm always asked, and I cannot answer that question because um, we have made a very conscious effort to acquire only pieces that speak to us, uh, only pieces that, make, that have an impact. Uh, only pieces that fit into the collection in terms of how it's been conceived as a collection. And so, um, so, so I never can answer that question. Now, I've been asked the question a different way, uh, which is, okay, well, if you don't want to answer that question, then tell me which piece would you take if, you, if there was a fire in your house and you had to run out of the house, which piece would you get, take? Which is another way of asking the same question, right? That's a great <laughs> I said, that's a great way of reframing it. Okay, so let me ask yeah. you that. If your house is on fire, what piece, would you take for, what piece would you run and take first? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Is it just me, or is it getting really hard to figure out the best way to save for retirement? Fidelity can help you find clarity so you can save the best way for you. With a free personalized plan, goal tracking, and timely insights, you'll be set to take on retirement your way. Get started at fidelity.com slash future. Expenses charged by your investments and other costs and fees associated with trading or transacting in your account apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services member NYSE SIPC. So my answer is that I would burn the fire. <laughs> okay. Because I really would not be able to, as I look around this room or any room in, in my home, I would not be able to pick. I literally would not be able to pick. I would be just kind of frantically running around. You could just see it in a, in a movie or something, right? The collector frankly, uh, frantically running around looking for the piece to take, can't decide, and then is burning the fire. That's me. Yeah, that's, that's kind of always the thing. I think also as you become a collector and you progress on that journey, uh, you only buy things that speak to you. And so they're all meaningful to you in some way or another. Um, I just uh, saw a piece recently that reminded me of my father. And so I kind of said that one, and, and your heart skips a beat for some reason when you see something that just calls to you. There's something unexplainable that happens when you connect to a piece of art, isn't, isn't it? Isn't there? Yes, yeah, absolutely. My, my methodology mostly involves, uh, you know, I go into uh, to a gallery or wherever it is that I'm looking at, at art, uh, and, uh, and I just spa- scan the room, I walk around, uh, I try not to look at labels, uh, and I just see, let, the, let the, sp- the pieces speak to me. Because the best art is the one you experience. It's not the one you see, but the one you experience. And so then I walk and, and one of the pieces will inevitably hit me and just kind of stay right here. And I'll walk around the room and, I'll, you know, maybe I'll, I'll grab a chip or something, you know, and uh, but it'll stay, be right here. And then I know that's the piece. And I don't care if nobody else likes it. And I have, in fact, been at shows where, you know, even the dealer said, you like that piece? I said, yes, that's the piece. And I've been right. Uh, over time, uh, I've been right about the piece that I thought was the important piece in the show. Right. Well, my experience has been that I see something, and I keep thinking about it like four or five months later for whatever right. reason. And then, you know, by some magical circumstance, you learn that it's available and then you kind of set out to uh, add it to your collection as well. Um, well, sometimes that's, that's taken me years. Okay. okay. I mean, because it, it got away from me and, you know, any number of things happened. And so, yeah, but I, I know the feeling. Yeah. Amazing. You know, I used to, the way that I kind of got uh, collecting is I worked at a, a, a an agency that was down the street from Shemaya. And so I just kind of started out of curiosity going in there as, on my lunch break. And, you know, all this beautiful art that they had around. And there was a piece by C.C. Segura that always called to me. But at that point, I didn't have the income, I think, to to buy the larger purchases like I, I wanted to. But several years later, through some happenstance, I said, do you by any chance still have that piece called Odyssey? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, OK, I want to buy it. And so it's in my collection. And it must have been about a seven to eight year span, I think, by the right. time I was able to pick it up. Um, what advice do you have to beginning uh, to beginning collectors of Chicano Latino art? Well, the, the advice is the same advice you give anyone who is interested in art, and that is to buy only what you absolutely love. 
you know, you should not buy because number one, the worst criteria to use is because you think it's going to go up in value. You might as well buy lottery tickets. You'll have as much luck um, because uh, that's not at all a way to buy. Uh, you know, those who buy for investment purposes are buying in the today in the $50 million range. OK, everybody else who's buying art should not be buying art because it's going to go, quote unquote, go up in value. Uh, that's the worst reason to buy. You should buy only what you absolutely love. Look at it as you're inviting a relative to come live with you. Uh, and you're going to be passing by that relative 10 times a day, you know, down the hallway or in your living room or wherever it is you keep your art, that, that piece of art. And then if you don't really like it, it's going to start to grind on you. And you're going to wish that relative would have never come to live with you. And now you don't know how to get rid of them. Look at it that way. And you'll only, you know, don't, don't let others influence you, tell you that that's the piece, that it's the one that's going to go up, that, you know, you're going to really love it and it'll, it'll grow on you. For That's the worst idea. Uh, anything like that. It's you have to really love it. Um, as you develop, uh, you know, my second advice is to go see as much art as possible so you can develop an idea and a sense of what it is that you like, what is it appeals to you? What is it, what is it that, that speaks to you uh, about pieces of art, uh, what you're drawn to, uh, and try to uh, read as much as you can about that work, that artist, um, uh, their development, other artists that do work like that. Um, and also thirdly is to try and expand your, your frame of reference. Um, so you like paintings of flowers. Great. Okay. But expand on that frame of reference and see if there's something else that, uh, so that, so that you don't wind up with a room full of paintings of flowers. Uh, and then you, then you go crazy, <laughs> but, um, just flowers, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, or Frida's or anything else, you know, uh, expanding your, your, your frame of reference, I think is really, really important. And you do that by reading, you do that by looking at work that you might not think you're going to like just going to random galleries. I mean, the good thing about going to galleries is that they're free. Uh, so you can go and just kind of wander around. And you'd be surprised what you're going to find, uh, and it, it just kind of hones your your um, your perspective, your your sense of what you like. Uh, you learn things, uh, and then you can you know buy with with a certain uh, amount of confidence. I'm open to different open up different avenues of exposure to artists. What it sounds like, you know, I don't know about you, but I have seen this like mushrooming interest in Chicano art. What do you attribute that to? Um, you know, there's been a lot of false starts. Uh, and I've been, you know, in a sense fortunate <laughs> to have been uh, a witness to Chicano arts development almost since the beginning. The first Chicano art event that I attended formal was Chicanarte, which was in 1975 when I was, in fact, still a student uh, at Loyola. Uh, and so it's been a long, long time. Uh, and I've been through, you know, various the decades of the Hispanic and blah, 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 blah. What we're seeing now, I think, is a, is a critical mass. Uh, you know, that is a lot of different things happening at the same time that is pushing forward the sense that Chicano art should be, um, you know, explored, valued, 
uh, um, collected, uh, written about by academics, collected by museums, and so forth. And that's what we're seeing now. But I think it's it's been a long time in coming. Um, and one of the questions is, how is it going to, if it's going to change Chicano art, uh, is it going to go the way of what ha- what happens mostly in this country, which is that a few art stars are picked by the museums, by the top galleries, and then that's going to be considered Chicano art. And the rest of the artists, and I'm talking about the other 99%, are going to be basically ignored. In this collection, one of the things that we really try to do is to not uh, um, focus in on the art stars in Chicano art. Uh, you know, many of them have been in our friends of ours. We've known them for 30 years or more, uh, but we don't collect artists. We collect artwork. And um, so we're trying to keep away from that idea that only a few people uh, are qualified or should represent what Chicano art is. And I think that's one of the things that makes this collection unique. Because within the realm of Chicano art of Los Angeles, I would venture to say that we have the greatest range. Um, the, for the most part, we pro, unless except for those few people who do collect only say Chicano artists, uh, I would think that uh, this collection has the greatest representation of Chicanas, um, you know, percentage wise, um, and it has the greatest rep, uh, range in terms of ages the various generations of Chicano artists, and we're into our what I consider our fourth generation of Chicano artists. And you can kind of track um, the, the generations. And I think that we have the greatest range in terms of the kind of art, not focusing in on painting, uh, not focusing in on, on um, you know, big works, but what we believe are the best works, which includes silk screens, for example. A great part of Chicano art, the best and Chicano artists produced by so screens. Yet museums and galleries, you know, downplay that as valuable uh, and less valuable than paintings. We don't look at it that way at all. Uh, and we so we collect silk screen, we collect photography, we collect conceptual works, we collect video art. Uh, so uh, and it's all within the realm of Chicano art. Uh, but we we try to, you know, um, sculpture as well. I mean, just ceramics. Um, you know, so this, the whole range, the idea is to collect the whole range and not limit ourselves to just a few people, a few art stars, uh, who, um, you know, do fabulous work. Uh, I don't minimize that at all. Uh, but we know that other people are collecting that work. We want to, we want to collect the range of the Chicano art experience, what the Chicano experience is, and it it's all over the place. Right. And it's a very diverse art form as well. And yes. You have addressed all that diversity. Um, so, Armando, what is your biggest regret as a collector? Well, always uh, not being able to buy a particular piece. <laughs> you know, I'll give you one example uh, because it's a very well known piece uh, today, uh, and that is John Valadez's uh, Getting Them Out of the Car, which is now owned by Cheech Marin. Uh, I first saw that piece in 1984. I didn't know John. I didn't know how to get a hold of John. I saw it in, in San Diego, actually, is where, where I first saw it, at the Centro Cultural de la Raza there. And I, I was just in love with that piece for years and years and years. I looked for the piece. 
I tried, I tried to um, see if I could find who this John Valadez was because uh, I didn't know him. Uh, and then I saw it um, again at a gallery in Pasadena. And I was like, here it is. I don't care how much it costs. I'm going to buy it. Okay. And I kept waiting for the gallerist to stop talking to some other people. He didn't. Uh, and I said, you know what? I'm going to leave. Um, Cause I, I just felt like I was being ignored, you know? Uh, and we all know what that's about, uh, but I felt ignored. And so I left and I found out like, I, I called back like a week later. I was just kind of like, they had sold it. And they had sold it to Chich Marin. They, I didn't know who they had sold it to. They didn't tell me, you know. But I later learned, obviously, that uh, that it was sold to Chich. So, you know, that's that's a big regret. And I have several like that. I mean, mostly they're related to the fact that I don't have the money to buy the piece at the time. You know, it's just the way it is. Um, you know, uh today there are a lot of pieces I don't have the money for because some of them have gone up, uh, you know, in value. Uh, on the other hand, I'm very fortunate to have pieces that, uh, you know, that, that I think other people would really love to have. Uh, and, but are, they're part of this collection. And I think they, uh, they add a lot uh, of value. And I don't mean economic value, but when I talk of value, I never mean an econ- economic value, except to say, you know, when I can't afford something. What uh, what is the future of your what direction is your collection going uh, or what would you like to see as a direction of your collection? Do you have any particular interests or other things that you're going to be expanding into? Well, first of all, you know, the, 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 we're still collecting, um, you know, uh, after 40 years, uh, the future, I think, of, uh, the, for the, the, the immediate future is to continue to collect. Uh, to some extent, I see uh, a, a collection dies when it's, you stop adding to it, you know, uh, and so I'm not ready for that. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I still have, you know, the wherewithal to buy some things, uh, but ultimately, uh, this collection will be uh, in a public institution. Uh, that's been the plan since the early 90s. Uh, we are still, uh, you know, in, in that mode of thinking with the uh, acquiescence of our children, which is very important because um, that's, you know, that's their, their patrimony in a sense. But they understand that this is the, the patrimony of the Chicano people. That's how this collection has been put together. <clears throat> From a Chicano perspective, what is, what is it that we value? What is it that tells our story? Not from a museum's perspective, not from a gallerist's perspective, not from an art consultant's perspective, but from from uh, an act, you know uh, people who who have lived through the Chicano experience and continue to live through the Chicano experience. Um, and uh, and and so it's very important to us that that story be told from that perspective. And it's very important that that be told, you know, so that the widest number of people can view it, experience it, come to understand a little bit about us. Uh, and so the future of the collection is, um, we expect, is going to be that it'll be in a public institution. And that's why the, the collection is called the Duron Family Collection, 
It's not called the Armando Duron Collection. It's not called the Marion Armando Duron Collection. It's called the Duron Family Collection because we're not the only ones giving up something. Our children are giving up something uh, in the way they're giving up more than we are. <laughs> because, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, but that's the future. Interesting. So as a, as a team of a husband and wife collectors, have you ever disagreed on uh, what to add to your collection? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, frequently in a sense that, you know, I'm the one who, who wants to buy it, you know, and Mary's the one who says, oh, I don't like it. And it's too much money. And, you know, don't you have enough and so forth and so on. But in reality, she is in full support of, of my, you know, what I do. Uh, as we say in Spanish, resonga un poquito, you know, she says complaints or something, but in the end she says, no, you know what, you were right. And, you know, uh, and she's very proud of, of what uh, we've been able to accomplish. Amazing. Um, what is your perception of Chicano art as a healing mechanism for individuals and communities? What does Chicano well, art do for the individual well, you know. You know, the, 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 and I think that that's really, really important uh, because it, 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 number one, it before healing, it it ground grounds you. In other words, it gives you a sense of your self respect and your self worth uh, when you see yourself reflected in a painting or a serigraph or a mural, uh, any any in anything. Uh, whether you're a, you're a young uh, person, a child, or uh, and which is the most important point, or even as an adult, so that sense of self that you can recover or you can help maintain by uh, experiencing Chicano art, I think, is really really important. Um, in terms of in terms of healing, um, you know, I know that that's one of the reasons why. Um, uh, first uh, Kaiser uh, in East Los Angeles and then Altamed, which now has one of the largest collections of Chicano art um, anywhere, um, have make it, made it part of their mission to include art in their clinics because they understand the value of art uh, in terms of healing uh, and in terms of making the, their clients or their patients you know, feel better and have a sense of place when they go to the clinic or they go to the hospital. Um, I was fortunate to be involved in helping set up the ultimate, uh, initial ultimate uh, collection in, in, for the clinics uh, from uh, self-op graphics. Uh, and you could see the, the, the change in attitude from the clients and also the staff, you know, who also felt like, wow, you know, I'm working in a nice place. They got art. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so it has, has a tremendous value, uh, uh, you know, for, for healing individuals. Um, it, uh, one of the persons that I posted, you might recall, on the uh, Chicago Latino Art Collectors um, forum that you, when, you, when I was asked to put, you know, 10 people, who, uh, 10 artists, you recall one of the guys that I put in there was um, Albert Contreras. And Albert Contreras was a guy who, you know, healed after many, you know, by getting back as into art as a painter. Uh, and so it has a great potential to, to heal uh, individuals at all levels. Uh, as a community, clearly, 
that this is why Chicano art has been so important to the Chicano movement and the development of our people, uh, you know, uh, is because of the power of art to, again, give a, a people confidence, uh, people reflected uh, in on the walls, for example, that's muralism does best, uh, better than other uh, forms. Uh, but uh, certainly all of all of them uh, help to to heal us and to keep us um, sane in a way uh, uh, when we face onslaughts of uh, discrimination uh, and all those other things that happen in this country. Beautiful. I love it as an artist, uh, Chicano art as a means of power and getting our power back by telling our stories and helping us getting grounded in our roots, right? Which many of the murals tell stories that you see. And that's why I think murals are very important in communities and low-income Chicano communities or Latino communities that, that the art and exposure for children kind of begins to drop a seed, I think, for kids and children about their stories and also about art as a as a viable career. Because I remember uh, being a youth and I had a cousin who wanted to be an artist and my uncle had a fit. It's like, oh no, you cannot be an artist. You know, you have to go be a teacher. You have to go do something. And so uh, there was kind of a discouragement of, of, of becoming an artist in our community. Did you ever experience or see anything like that yourself? It, it, well, Nobody, uh, you know, we all parents want their children to to you know get in a career where they're going to make money, and and that's that's the problem with art is that in this country especially, you know, and this is not just true of Chicano artists but of all artists, only nine percent of artists make their money only by selling their art. The rest have to teach or do something else in order to 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 support themselves. So um, I didn't. Ex- experienced that directly my mother's view was that as long as i did i was i did honest work she didn't care if i was a baker she said if you're a baker make the best bread you can you can make uh, but I, you know she had no uh, illusions or, or or a sense that i should be this that or the other thing what that did for me was actually free me you know so it's interesting that it had it, it had it, it didn't make me be a baker. It made me feel free to be whatever I wanted to be. Uh, and that eventually led me to, you know, be a lawyer and, and so forth. Uh, so, um, you know, it was, it, it was that empowerment in a way that helped me. Well, you've had a very important role in Chicano art, in the preservation of Chicano art, in promotion of Chicano art. Uh, and I laud you. Uh, you have a legacy, and I think it's even living on through li- living on through two of your children. Is that correct? You have two children. Well, right now, uh... Yes, d- directly through two of them. But you know, uh, first, I think it's important to to note that all of my children, all four of them, self-identify as Chicanos. Okay, this is not something that we imposed. Obviously, the art was influential. And they grew up understanding and seeing it and talking about it and asking questions about it. And I think that that helped lead them all to the the conclusion that they came to. But it was never because it was imposed by us. But yes, two of them have, um, you know, directly uh, are involved. Um, uh, First, um, Max, uh, you know, my son. Our son, Maximiliano Luron, is a senior editor, Art News Magazine in New York, a very important position, in my view, 
Um, you know, it's it, obviously for me, it's a, it's a deep honor. Uh, it, it just fills me with emotion uh, because, you know, I, I'm a reader of, of a subscriber of Art News before he was born. Uh, I've been a subscriber ever since, you know, I know uh, for over 30 years now. And then all of a sudden to get the issue, uh, uh, you know, with my son's uh, story about Judy Baca being on the cover of art of my copy of Art News come, coming to my home is just like, you know, feeling like you can't believe in terms of, you know, uh, the, the satisfaction and the, the sense that a lot of what I've spent my time on um, you know, in, in terms of being an, an advocate for Chicano art, uh, in a way paid off in a very personal way. Um, so, uh, and I'm always, you know, gratified to see his stories, uh, you know, when he writes about Amelia Mesa Baines or other artists, you know, as he's written, uh, since then. Um, and it's important to understand that that process is not, you know, I mean, he has to advocate, uh, for that to happen. It's, you know, um, and uh, but he's been managed to include uh, artists, you know, Chicano artists, Chicana artists, um, you know, in ways that had never happened uh, in any art, general art magazine in this country. So, yes, I'm very proud. Um, I have um, my my uh, other daughter, who uh, Isabel, who is a Ph.D. A candidate uh, is writing her dissertation. Uh, on um, various various things, but in there in in the in the dissertation, doctoral dissertation is is in, involves Chicano art, uh, and so I'm you know obviously very happy about that. I have a daughter who's a lawyer in Boston, um, you know, works in civil rights and administrative law, so I'm obviously very proud and happy about her. And then our oldest is the head of the director of the Latinx uh, Student Center at University at UC Irvine. Um, so they're all involved in you know the kind of things that you know I as a parent am, you know was was important to me growing up and in my development as an individual. And they're all, you know, and I see them now doing a lot of that work, carrying on that legacy. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, and, and all doing positive things and being involved in community events in their own communities and so forth. And it's just, you know, gratifying. I, I mean, I just, I can't tell you how gratifying it is. You're all exceptionally proud of them. They're doing amazing. They're contributing amazingly to the community. What, what do you think uh, the listeners who are listening to this podcast, how can they can contribute to Chicano art and the, evolution and the promotion and the preservation? Well, obviously by supporting, uh, you know, uh, the, the artists and, and the work that they're doing uh, by going to shows, you know, number one. And, and you know, but, but our community does that. You know, I mean, I think it's important to, to understand that every time there's been a major Chicano art show in this city or in this country, our people have flocked to it. And I don't care if it's in L.A. or Iowa, you, you, you know, um, we see that our people flock to these shows because they want to see themselves and they want to, uh, you know, uh, um, be supported. Uh, but certainly those that can afford it, you know, can buy, you know, artwork uh, from their local artists, you know, uh, doesn't have to be a big, you know, 
painting and all that, but supporting the local artists is really, really important in their own communities. And, um, you know, and then being advocates, you know, to, to help, to make sure that, you know, Chicano artists and artists of all artists are, are supported uh, and uh, to support their own children's visions. Because sometimes, as you said, you know, what happened with your cousin, uh, you know, parents aren't supportive of their children's, you know, desire to become artists. Um, and, um, you know, and, and I think they should. I think we should support our children in anything positive that they want to do, whatever it is. And if it means taking our time, that's what it means. That's what it means to be a parent, uh, in my view. Uh, and so uh, you support them in whatever positive things they want to be involved in. You know, it's the best best as you can. Uh, I know sometimes some economics gets in the way and some dreams, <laughs> but there are ways around, you know, sometimes also uh, if you really have the will. Uh, but uh, it's really important to support, uh, you know, Chicano artists, uh, uh, local, um, you know, organizations, you know, uh, the, the you know, here in Los Angeles, like South Park Graphics or Avenue 50 Gallery, uh, you know, the local community galleries and, um, you know, arts organizations. It's important to support them. And even if you don't buy anything, just show up. That that in and it's just showing up to the galleries and exhibits is is a, is, is a show of support. Absolutely, um, right. So we're going to be concluding, and God, it's been amazing having you here. Um, what do you see the future of Chicano art? Say a hundred years from now, or where would you like to see Chicano art a hundred years from now? Well, I think that um, you know what survives all people. And we don't know our future specifically, whether or not we're going to be fully integrated in the society or how that's all going to shake out. But ultimately, uh, and this is part of the reason for the collection, is that what survives all people is the culture. It's the art. That's all people are generally understood. Uh, it's through that. Um, and so, you know, I see the future as as long as we continue to produce and i think we will because our people are just naturally art artists not me but <laughs> but uh, a lot of other people are and um and so as long as we're producing art uh and those of us that are that are able to collect it and and preserve it uh keep doing so uh the future of chicano art is very bright and uh, sometime in the future people understand us the way we want to be understood and that's the key for me in terms of the collection is how do we want to be understood? Not how some anthropologist who knows nothing about us or some art critic who knows nothing about us wants to interpret us through uh, some other eyes. Uh, but how we want to be understood through our eyes, uh, through our heart uh, as a people, uh, as we struggled uh, in these times anyway you know, um, to, for our place in the society. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Armando. It's been such a pleasure having you on board and having you as a collector mentor. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Not at all. Not at all, George. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you for joining us on Healing with Dr. George, The Power of Chicano Latinx Art. 
please continue to tune into our series as we explore the themes of self and community healing through Chicano Latinx art. Also, don't forget to visit the website www.latinoarte.com in order to view the beautiful array of Chicano Latinx art that is available to add to your own collection. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your entire life you've been told to save, but has anyone helped you figure out how to spend? With Fidelity Income Planning, get help creating a personalized plan for cash flow even when you're not working. One that includes your 401k and all your other accounts. Make informed decisions that best fit your life ahead, whether one-on-one or through our planning tools. Learn more at fidelity.com slash income planning. Advisory services provided by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC for a fee. Brokerage services by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. 